What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the PFN Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Kyle Yates, and I'm your host. I can be found on Twitter at KyleYNFL. I am joined here today by Kyle Soppy and Derek Tate. Gentlemen, how are we doing on this fine Wednesday morning? Uh, well, this is a safe space, right? Like, we're all friends here. Uh, I just is that, are you looking for affirmation on that? Yeah, yes. yeah. I, that would be nice. <laughs> you paused. <laughs> that would be nice. I like you, Soppy. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, you asked how the day's going, and I could give the bland answer of it's a great day, it's a beautiful day, we're close to football. All that's true. But I'm just coming back from a doctor's appointment, and uh, your boy's got a kidney stone that is the maximum size in which they will allow you to pass it. The human body can oh, pass a no. kidney stone at such a size, and that's what's rattling around inside me, which, which isn't great news. Obviously not good news. So I texted my wife. I, I said, this is what's going on. And, I, and the doctor said, this is the closest thing that the male body can experience, like as close as you can get to childbirth. And so I'm like, this is, this is great. So I let my wife know, and you, here, I'm gonna read, my t- read her response. Cause it, it caught me off guard. Like I've been dating, I was dating this woman for 16 years. We're married now, little she can do to catch me off guard. Here's her response. I wanna know what you guys think about it. So I tell her, I got a kidney stone. It's huge. It's like childbirth. This is gonna hurt. Like you gotta be here for me. She says, good. If you can't handle it, why would you ever sign me up for something like that? It's kind of like trying on <laughs> pants. You have to know what it feels like before committing. XOXO Marisa. So that was her initial response to me possibly enduring the worst pain of my life in the coming month. I, I, how do you guys feel about this as, as you know, husbands with kids and wives? Is this an appropriate response or am I, am I in line to be a little outraged here? Well, here's the here's the thing that stands out to me that I absolutely love is that she signed her text message. I don't know if you <laughs> yeah. caught that, Derek. It was XOXO Marisa. She signed her text message. Like you, she doesn't. You don't know who this is coming from. Uh, yeah, no, this is. Uh, I mean, we'll we'll never truly know the uh, the True. pains of childbirth. But Sabi, it sounds like you're about to go through something uh, pretty pretty. Dead yeah, close. but I mean, is that I don't even know if that's a supportive text message. Her first word was good. <laughs> like i mean yeah i don't know how to transition out of this uh i'm gonna be uh, honest uh, hosting this one yeah. and- i got one i got one just quote friends kidney stones yep <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly there we go friends quote that is how to get on my good side here derek i appreciate it let's move into some fantasy football conversation here uh and, and if people are watching and listening over on the podcast and soppy just doesn't show up one day uh, now yeah. you know yeah, you why <laughs> you know where he is. Uh, prayers up for Sapi. All right, gentlemen, let's talk. We had some technical difficulties early on in the week. So if you're watching over on YouTube, we weren't able to get a show up because of some issues with our streaming software here. So uh, we're back, hopefully, ideally, fingers crossed here over on YouTube that you're watching. But we didn't get a chance to talk with the Dalvin Cook and with the Ezekiel Elliott signings here of just the preseason reaction, week one and players that moved up and down our rankings. So I wanted to double back to last week's action here before we move into week two of the preseason. Let's talk about a player for each of you that moved up the rankings. And I don't know your thought philosophy or thought process on rankings and overreacting to week one of the preseason or anything like that. But I wanted to throw it to you guys. Who is one player that you have a little bit more confidence in now based on the activity in week one? Yeah, you said you don't know our strategy. I'll make it very very black and white. I don't touch my rankings. Not during, not based on stat lines or performances right now. If there's an injury or something or this Jonathan Taylor situation takes a turn, then, you know, obviously it, it requires some, some maintenance there. But I mean, 
Was it good to see football? Yes. Was it good to see the Bears running all over the place and some of Derek's guys showing out? Like, of course. Of course. Who doesn't like to see that? But I didn't touch my rankings. Up or down, for better or for worse, my guys have not moved as a result of week one. Week two might be a little different, but week one meant nothing to me. How about you, Derek? Yeah, so when I'm trying, I take everything with a grain of salt during the first week of preseason, but it is our first glimpse to how rookies are going to perform when they get an experience you know, an opportunity to take NFL live reps, right? So for someone like me in dynasty formats where I'm trying to stash away players, someone like Aiden O'Connell really jumped out. Like he looked comfortable. He looked in command of that Raiders offense. But when it comes to other guys too, if they flash ability like Jahan Dotson did, Dotson, Dotson, we got Dotson here. See, everybody cares because it's fantasy football season and it's going to, he's somebody that's on my radar already was on my radar but to see how he scored and the filthy route that he you know put on the db you know the 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 grab away from his body to finish into the end zone i really think that terry mclaurin's going to have a lot more competition for targets this year than he's had during his entire nfl career i'm really excited about Jahan dotson um so if he can continue what was a really nice preseason debut in an offense that we don't really know what to expect certainly he's somebody that's kind of bumped up just a little bit on my radar yeah, Dotson definitely has the talent level. We knew that coming out of college. Now it's just a matter of the quarterback play and what sort of level of quarterback play are we going to get in this offense? And can right. those guys, can the quarterback elevate all of those options in that offense? But definitely someone that you do have a little bit more confidence in based on their performance in week one. Let's talk about a player that moved down the rankings or a player that you have a little bit more concern about now after week one. For me, Anthony Richardson pops up on my radar a little bit. Not that I'm downgrading in my ranks or anything. But just that I need to see more in week two. Like, I mean, we've seen this progression of rookie quarterbacks. Like, you get your first taste at the NFL. I get it. But my man looked looked a little overwhelmed. He was trying to throw the ball through brick walls. He had the one deep pass that was dropped. Like, I'll give you that. He dropped it in the bucket, and that was pretty good. But I, I need to see more. I need to see finesse. I need to see some touch. He's moving around a little bit, and I get that they're not going to fully let him, you know, fully unleash the animal that is – Anthony Richardson in the preseason because they shouldn't like you have way more to risk than you do to gain in that situation but in week two he's a he's a guy I'm watching as a result of week one like I want to see more more the passer I'm confident he can run he's Cam Newton like he's a version of that rare type of athlete that I don't have a doubt about but I need to see some finesse in the passing game that's all does Anthony Richardson being named as the week one starter in Indianapolis change your ranking of him no. at all? Like, because we had kind of, for me at least, I'd been kind of putting him as a placeholder. Like, this is a situation where, yes, quarterback 15, quarterback 16 in my rankings, mm-hmm. I kind of feel confident that this is where he can be if he at least misses the first two weeks of the season, right. if it's Gardner Minshew. Now I'm debating, do I actually move him up? Because he at least is going to be out there in week one. Derek, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, as far as just pure fantasy expectations, it's nice to have that cleared up, right? Because I did think that there was a chance that Gardner Minshew would start the first couple games or the first month of the season to kind of give Anthony Richardson an opportunity to, you know, learn with a clipboard in his hand, learn from other people's mistakes on the sideline. Unfortunately, that's not going to be the case for Anthony Richardson. Just baptism by fire. He's going to either sink or swim. He's going to sink a lot during his rookie season. But as far as fantasy expectations, you can at least expect now that you can put him somewhere solid in your rankings and you feel like he's going to stay there. Uh, And he certainly has that upside. 
if he struggles through the first month or two of the season as he's kind of going through those growing pains as a rookie quarterback, that fantasy ceiling could pop exactly when you want it to towards the back half of the year. So I actually think it clears up his situation in quite a bit. Derek, let's turn it back around to you. Who is a player that fell down the rankings for you after week one of the preseason? Yeah, Trey Lance for me. So I went back and looked at some of the all 22 because there's a lot of narratives out there, a lot of excuses that I hear for Trey Lance, right? He wasn't running with the ones. He was under pressure the entire time. Look, there were moments, yeah, sure, where there's some breakdowns in protection, sure. But even on that first drive, it doesn't look like Trey Lance is playing with any confidence. It looks like there's hesitation at the top and apex of his drop. And he's just passing on what I think are tight window throws in the NFL. And guess what? You're going to have to make those throws in order to be a successful quarterback in the National Football League for on a consistent basis. Shanahan isn't going to be able to scheme up wide open runners every other play sure there's going to be some of that but lance has to prove that he's capable of playing within structure within scheme and with and on time and you know trusting his eyes enough to be able to to let it rip when a guy is at the top like at the top of his route and it's just i'm not seeing that consistently and it's concerning because it's his third nfl preseason sure you can make the excuse for anthony richardson or cj stroud because it's the first nfl action they're seeing but i saw more confidence from aiden o'connell and more control in his preseason debut than i saw from trey lance entering his third nfl season i get that he's been injured i get that he hasn't gotten a lot of reps but at some point, it's got to start to come together, and it's concerning that it hasn't yet for Trey Lance. The stark contrast between Anthony Richardson and how he, the strategy that they're deploying in Indianapolis of week one, we know this guy is raw, he's inexperienced, like he needs the game reps to reach his ceiling. He's out there week one, no question whatsoever. To then San Francisco with letting Trey Lance sit there enti the entire year after sitting the entire previous year outside of one game uh, during that COVID year and saying like, and then of course, then the injury happens, like everything that could have gone wrong for Trey Lance in San Francisco, we thought it was an amazing situation for him coming out of North Dakota State. We thought it was an amazing situation for fantasy. It's actually probably one of the worst situations he could have landed in because that it has led to him just not getting onto the field. So I do think that a, a, a mutual parting here for Trey Lance in San Francisco and San Francisco, like he's got to go somewhere else. He's got to get the game reps to get that comfortability, to get those experienced reps, to just be able to trust what you're able to see out on the football field. It's not necessarily up in his head. It's now just more comfort level and playing on the football field. And it's just not going to happen here in San Francisco. It does look all signs are pointing now to Brock Purdy being that week one starter here. So we can move forward, I think, with our analysis in saying it's going to be Brock Purdy show here in San Francisco for 2023. All right, gentlemen, before we get into running back rankings here for 2023, want to remind the people about the articles that are going up over on the website every single day over at profootballnetwork.com. We are going to have everything you need to dominate your fantasy football league this season, dominate your fantasy football draft here coming up over the next couple of weekends here. We have a ton of content coming out. You guys are going to want to go check out. So profootballnetwork.com, make sure to go over there and find Kyle Sophie, Derek Tate, my work, Jason Katz's work. You guys can find that over on the website. Additionally, if you are listening over on the podcast, make sure to leave a rating and review for us. Five stars. Helps us out in a massive, massive way. Helps grow the show. We appreciate each and every review that comes in. Greatly, greatly appreciate your support. Five-star rating there over wherever you are listening to your podcast. 
All right, running back rankings for 2023. The way that we are going to structure this is we are going to look at Kyle Sabi's top 30 running back rankings. We're going to go down the list five at a time. I'm going to throw the, uh, we're going to read out the names, then I'm going to throw it over to Derek and talk about a player that maybe he disagrees with. Maybe he has a strong feeling about why they are ranked where they are. And we're going to have some good conversation here about these, these players here. Let's go into uh, number 30 in your running back rankings. Javante Williams, 29, Damian Pierce, 28, Khalil Herbert, 27, Cam Akers, 26, Brees Hall. Derek, out of that group, who stands out to you? I'm just kind of curious. Who do we think is going to get Cam Akers off the field? 27s. I understand it's kind of popular to fade the Rams right now, and they had a little bit of a rough season. But when they did commit to Cam Akers down the final four weeks of last year, Cam Akers proved that he can be a, a dependable running back too. I just think that that's 27 all the way down there. It's one thing if you think somebody's going to get him off the football field, unless you're like a huge Zach Evans truther, which I like Zach Evans, but for me, Cam Akers is going to be the the clear bell cow out of this backfield. I'm just kind of curious, Alfie, what has you put him at 27? Yeah, I have no problem with that, but we could have copy-pasted that segment from you 12 months ago. It was entering last season. It was the last month. He got all this work off the injury, and it's like, oh, but what what could he be? And then it was like, eh, they might cut him or bench him or – Listen, I'm not completely out on him. You need a bounce back from this offense, and that's very possible. A healthy Stafford and a healthy Cup would go a long way toward providing that. And to answer your question, I personally would not take him off the field for anybody. So I think he's kind of the cheapest potential bell cow that you can get. So I, I do like that. I, I, I don't know. Fool me once, fool me twice. Like you've kind of, we've seen this before. He's good, not great. And there's people, This is these five are part of a tier for me. Shuffle them up, deal them out however you want. I'm not going out of my way to get Cam Akers. I'm not actively avoiding him. Like, we'll talk with some guys that I am avoiding. He's not on that list, but, you know, he, he'd have to fall to me. Kyle, what are you, you thinking? Are you a Cam Akers kind of guy? No, I'm going to side more with Sapi on this yes. one. I've got him at RB26 in my rankings. He is RB22 in our consensus rankings, which you can find over on the website at profootballnetwork.com. Uh, Derek, you and Katz are the highest on Cam Akers at 45 overall in half PPR scoring. And then I'm at 59 overall and Sapi is at 64 overall. So there is definitely Sapi and I, there's a big gap there. And I think that both can honestly, like the way that we're both approaching it, both sides are kind of correct. Like the workhorse role for Cam Akers is going to be there. The touches are going to be there. However, what are the scoring opportunities going to be like in this LA Rams offense? Like he has to be just breaking away big runs because I don't know if this offense is going to be in the red zone with regularity in 2023. So I think there are other better options that I'm more comfortable hitching my wagon to in 2023 from a fantasy standpoint than Cam Akers. I get the argument, though, where in this range of rankings, are you really going to find a player who has maybe as much guaranteed work as Cam Akers? So I think as a safe, like, fallback option, as an RB2, RB3, exactly. if you Three. go, you know, early wide receiver in your rankings and you want, like, just a solid, safe RB2 that you know is going to get 15-plus touches every single week, sure, I'm, I'm on board with that. But I think there are other guys, too, in this range that come with maybe a little bit more upside, if that makes sense. Let's move into this next tier here because we do have a lot of players to get to. Let's go into 25 through 21. At 25 is Alvin Kamara, 24, James Cook, 23, Alexander Madison, 22, J.K. Dobbins, and 21, Isaiah Pacheco. Derek, who stands out to you? Oh, uh, speaking of consistent volume, 
that's pretty high projection for Isaiah Pacheco. Um, Pacheco, Pacheco, you know, tomato, <laughs> tomato, apologies, Isaiah. Uh, I'm, don't get me wrong. I, I thought that this guy flew under the radar as a seventh round pick out of Rutgers. The dude could fly, he runs angry. I, I like Pacheco, but I'm just kind of curious, like, are we projecting that he's going to be the leading ball carrier? What's his involvement in the passing game going to be? There's some decent options right now that you're ranking him aggressively ahead of. So what do you, what do you see as the role, Sapi, to kind of justify that, that, that RB21 ranking? Part of what Kyle said in his analysis of Cam Akers, the inverse. Like, I mean, we're talking an offense that's going to live in the red zone, almost four red zone trips per game during the po- – Patrick Mahomes era. So, I mean, there's that. You said he runs angry. I don't want to tackle a guy three yards away from the end zone if he runs angry. Like, that's that's hard to do. So, I think the scoring upside is there. We saw some pass catching development as the season went on into the postseason last year. No, I don't think he's going to catch 50 balls. But as a seventh-round rookie, you know, you begin to get comfortable in your own skin, begin to get comfortable in the NFL. Do I think he's – I don't think he's a single-catch kind of guy. And an offense is as lethal like this – Jarek McKinnon obviously is a threat, and he's going to be the pass-catching running back. We all know that. I don't think what McKinnon did last year is at all repeatable. So if he right. can, if we're looking at two and a half targets a week, like to me that's enough if he's getting 17 carries in an offense that lives in the scoring zone. I, to me, it's more an argument, can he score eight to ten times? I think he can, and if he does, he flirts with that running back two spot for me. You are out on an island, my friend, with Isaiah Pacheco, okay. uh, because in our consensus ranking, you have him at RB or at 45 overall. I have him at 75. Katz has him at 70. Derek has him at 83. Sheesh. So you are completely Sheesh. out on an island there. RB 30 in our consensus rankings, and you have him at 21. I've got him at 29. So just to put that into perspective here, where I do, All right. yeah, it, it's kind of like what we talked about with Debo Samuel on yesterday's podcast. Like it could easily come back to bite us because it's a fantastic player on a fantastic offense. Yeah, yeah, sorry, bite me and Derek uh, on a fantastic offense. Like it could easily come back to bite us, but there's enough other mouths to feed in this backfield too. With Jarek McKinnon as the receiving work, I can't comfortably project Isaiah Pacheco for 30 plus targets. And if that's the case, then there are other players that in, you know, that have a safer and higher floor from a fantasy standpoint, you got to get the touchdowns for Isaiah Pacheco. And I just don't, I don't feel comfortable again with it being Patrick Mahomes. Like you're going to put the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands in the red zone routinely. So there's just enough going against him where I'm a little bit comfortable going mm-hmm. after players like Javante Williams, like Damian Pierce, who you had well behind, I'm more comfortable going with Javante Williams and Damian Pierce for their upside, and at least Damian Pierce a little bit higher of a floor, if that makes sense. Can we get can we get a Damian offense. Pierce versus Pacheco like board bet going here? Like Derek, Put it up on the board. Side? Yeah, on the board. Derek, what side are you on this? Oh, I'm Damian Pierce all day. Oh man, we're gonna have I, to I think a wager here. I don't understand why folks are just overlooking. He has a three-down skill set, and I understand the Houston offense isn't going to be super exciting, but if there is a path to them being competitive, it's by a vastly improved defense You know, now with D'Amico Ryans as the head coach and being able to run the football and sustain drives they are going to be low scoring, but I believe Damian Pierce is going to be the feature player in this Houston offense, and... You know, I see him kind of comparable to someone like James Conner, who I, we may get to here in a little bit, yeah. but I'm just backs that are going to see high volume and bad offenses. We've already mentioned, you've already mentioned that, you know, 
it doesn't necessarily take being on a great offense to be a productive fantasy back. And I just think that there's going to be a little bit more. He's fly, Damian Pierce is really flying under the radar right now. That's what I'm saying. And I'm definitely okay with a wager. If that's what, if we want to go that way, you know, Pierce versus Pacheco, I'll go Damian Pierce all day. All right. yeah, Leave it in the comments there. Yeah, and we'll yeah, figure it out. Yeah, yeah. For context, there Isaiah Pacheco at RB twenty nine in my rankings. Damian Pierce at RB twenty three. You had Damian Pierce at RB twenty nine in your rankings, and uh, and Pacheco at twenty one. So there is a definitely a bet there. We got to write that down. We'll double back to it at the end of the year. Are we going fantasy points per game? We're we going fantasy points per game versus yeah. total fantasy points. Yeah, half okay. point PPR. Yep. All right. All right. We'll uh, we'll bookmark it. All yeah. right. Let's move into this next tier here. Uh, let's go twenty through sixteen. At twenty, you got Ken Walker. At nineteen, you have Rashad White. At eighteen, Dalvin Cook. Seventeen, Miles Sanders. And sixteen, James Conner. A couple of noteworthy names in there, Derek. Where are we going? Yeah. I mean, Rashad White is one that that jumps out to me. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers were absolutely horrendous running the football in in 2022 finishing dead last pretty much across the board i understand the ppr floor it was nice 50 receptions but i don't think that we're going to get tom brady getting the ball out of his hands and and checking it down quite as much to running backs i mean they threw the ball what over 700 times last year i don't know if we're going to get that same ppr floor from rashad white he struggled with his efficiency that's that's an aggressive ranking but really not as aggressive as dalvin cook He's dealing with a shoulder injury, and Brees Hall is about to practice. So 18 is really aggressive. I understand Dalvin Cook's a very good football player, but we still haven't seen the entire situation play out there in New York. So, I I mean, do you believe that Dalvin Cook is, you know, going to be the bell cow back to start the season for the New York Jets? I do. I think he's got the first crack at earning trust with Aaron Rodgers. And I've watched a lot of Aaron Rodgers as a Packer fan. If he can trust you, my man is getting you the ball and he's getting you fantasy points. And right now, I think Cook gets the first shot at that. That doesn't mean he wins it. I think Brees Hall, probably a better player at this point in time. But the chance to earn that trust from a veteran that... Let's call it what it is. The Jets are in win-now mode. And Cook is very much a win-now back compared to Brees Hall. I don't think anybody's arguing that. Cook... 10 touchdowns in three three of the last four seasons. I'm not saying he gets there, but I'm saying there's a chance. And right now, I'm gambling on the chance to do that over Brees Hall. I know it's pretty fashionable right now to keep Brees Hall ahead of Cook in your ranks. You know, looking, want to see the forest through the trees? Did I get that right? I'm, I might be worse with sayings than I am movies. But <laughs> you, you want to get to the end game here and that Brees Hall is going to be the guy in November, December. I get that. But if Cook is there and productive early, I don't think they're going to pivot off of him for a young back coming off an ACL. Like, Cook's on a one-year deal. What motivation do they not have to just run him into the ground, see what they got? And if yep. I'm as a 2023 redraft fantasy owner, I'm fine with him, them running him into the ground. And so that's kind of the stance there. I think this offense is going to be productive in scoring position. And to be honest, outside of Garrett Wilson, like I really don't trust the targets in that offense. So I think Cook could be used early and often early in the season. And if he produces, I, I think he's got running back two value this year. I just do. There is a lot to be said, too, for redraft rankings and the players that are going to get off to hot starts. We talked about mm-hmm. this with Alvin Kamara back when we, we first learned that he got suspended for the first three weeks of the season. I was definitely lower on Alvin Kamara. And I think a big part of that is 
that those first three, four, five weeks of the season are critical for your fantasy lineup. That is going to determine whether or not you are fully, fully invested and whether a lot of other people in your league are fully, fully invested as well. When you have to spend a top 24 running back price tag on someone like Alvin Kamara, when he's not going to even play the first three weeks, that messes a little bit with your psyche where now you're like, you're getting impatient because you're losing games because you sacrificed value. Then you might overreact. You might make some more aggressive moves that maybe you shouldn't have. So there's something to be said for that, where I think Dalvin Cook is going to get off to a hot start. And you met, you mentioned the shoulder injury, which I do think is good to bring up because that was something that we hadn't really had to talk about a ton because we hadn't really gotten an update because he hadn't signed anywhere. So when we got the update that Dalvin Cook's still kind of recovering from that shoulder injury, that plays a little bit of a role in, I think, where the comfort level and confidence and where you rank Dalvin Cook. But yet at the same time, like if he's out there week one, I do think that he is going to be the guy because of Soppy's point. What incentive do they not have to just absolutely run Dalvin Cook into the ground this year as they chase after a championship? They have a ton of incentive to let Brees Hall sit and recover at his own pace because they need him for 2024 and beyond. So I think that's the that's the way to look at it. I did want to double back though really quick to Rashad White because Rashad White at 19 is a very, very aggressive ranking for me. Rashad White is at RB30 in my rankings, okay? So we are talking about an 11-spot difference yeah. for where you have Rashad White and where I have White. Uh, I am not a big believer in Rashad White, the talent, if that makes sense. Like, no, for I'm him to you. be able to consistently be, uh, uh, you know, competing with Javante Williams and Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook, like, those guys that you have very, very different in your rankings, give me the other three guys over Rashad White as the main option in my backfield all day long. And with this offense, I am not a big believer in Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask being able to elevate this Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. So maybe he receives a ton of work, especially in the passing game. If we do play out the, the negative game scripts, is that sort of your thought philosophy, like negative game scripts, they're playing from behind it's check down city. Yeah. I Rashad white to me, I'm picking on a profile more than a player. I I'm not going to disagree with you that I don't, I was underwhelmed with him last year and I don't expect to be overwhelmed with him in year two, but I'm just a slave to the role. I don't trust the guys behind him. So we're going to be getting three down work, caught 50 or 58 targets last year. Not that that volume will necessarily sustain, but I think the ability is there to catch passes. And so it's going to be ugly. Like I'm not signing up for watching a lot of Rashad White. I'll check the box score and see, you know, 20 carries for 67 yards, three catches for 15. But if he can score... I think the offense might overachieve a little bit based on expectations. I think the hate may have gone a little too far. I'm not going to say Baker's a great quarterback. I think he might be viable, and the weapons at his disposal are enough to keep this offense reasonably productive. They're not going to be what they were last year, and even last year they weren't that good. But I think it's going to be a little bit different. I think White's going to be the feature back. And to your to your point, I mean, I from for tiers and we always we're always talking tiers from delvin cook all the way up to kamara so 18 to 25 are one tier for me so yes i i put the number 19 next to white and i stand by that but he's really not that far from running back 25 for me go ahead Derek. i did watch a lot of tampa bay buccaneers that's what i'm told last year and yeah i know it's not in frame but there is a tampa bay buccaneers <laughs> helmet i am forced and going to be watching probably against my will a lot of rashad white I truly want you to keep an eye out, though, for a guy named Sean Tucker. Um, I know Syracuse. That he was undrafted. Yes, Syracuse. You got. I, I know you know about him. <laughs> I'm just the reason why he went undrafted was because I believe of a heart condition mm-hmm. that kind of scared a lot of sure. you know NFL evaluators and teams off of investing draft capital in him. 
I think this guy's got a three-down skill set. He's, he's explosive. I, I think he's probably better through contact than Rashad White is. I, I, I could see White losing a significant amount of work to somebody in this backfield, in particular if Sean Tucker is able to emerge. I know that's aggressive because he's undrafted. Okay. He's fighting like for it. a roster spot, yada, yada, yada. But I, I, I just I, I'm concerned about what White showed us as a pure runner last year. Sure, he had his moments, but this offensive line is not going to be able to open up a ton of running lanes in, in 2023. They're still a work in progress for sure. And I, I could see White losing a little bit of running work uh, on early downs to someone like Sean Tucker. All right, let's move into this next tier, 15 through 11. 15, you got Jameer Gibbs. Uh, 14, Ramondre Stevenson after the Ezekiel Elliott signing. 13, Travis Etienne. 12, Najee Harris. And 11, Joe Mixon. Derek, who stands out to you in that group? You know, I noticed that someone didn't make the list, and that's David Montgomery. That's and here true, we are. I'm looking at Jameer Gibbs at 15. I'm looking at everybody else in this tier from 11 to 15 on your ranking, Sophie, and, and I feel pretty confident about their workload, right? Their total touches. I don't feel like we can accurately project what the workload's going to look like for Jameer Gibbs. I, I love the talent. He's special, and he's going to be very, very good. I'm very high on him in dynasty formats. I'm just a little bit nervous about his rookie season um, with David Montgomery in town. And, and we saw how the roles played out last year with similar skill sets for that of David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs to that of Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. So I guess, can you kind of walk me through your thought process when it comes to Jameer Gibbs and like the workload that you expect for him to see in his rookie season? Yeah, no, I, I think that's a fair criticism here. And I, listen, I think the Lions is, this is a weird sentence. I'm 33 years old. I don't think I've ever said this. The Lions offense is going to be stable. Like, I mean, <laughs> it is what it is, but they're going to be in scoring position. They're going to move the ball up and down the field. They've got plenty of weatherproof games. All that stuff, I think, works for an athlete like Gibbs. Like, we kind of know what Montgomery is, right? I mean, he's he's fine. Like, the reason I have Gibbs over Stevenson is because I fear Montgomery more than I do Zeke. Like, I... He's going to cut into that workload. I'm not saying Gibbs is getting 300 touches, but I do think he's going to hold a viable role in this passing game. And next to Monroe, St. Brown, they're going to be moving the ball up and down the field. At worst, I think it's 50-50 on the ground. So if he gets, say, a 75-25 edge to Montgomery in the pass game, and then they're splitting the carries, like if we can get up to 15-17 touches per game, I think you're looking at a pretty valuable running back here that has the trajectory to improve as the season goes on. Because like you said, we're talking about a great talent. And these guys, once you get NFL reps, like that's why we have the preseason. And maybe that's why we have September. If I'm playing the long game with Gibbs, I think he has a good role out the gate. And I think it only gets better with time. That's, that's kind of a profile I'm willing to work with in this specific instance. Jameer Gibbs is at RB13 in my ranking. So oh, I yeah, completely go. see the upside for him. However, I have David Montgomery at RB18 in my ranking. Jeez. So I'm okay. I'm believing that there is more than enough work for both of these guys to feast this year, especially for Gibbs as a receiver. When you do have it's in the Detroit Lions receiving core, it's Amon Ross St. Brown. Jamison Williams is completely unproven and is out for the first six weeks of the season. And then after that, who else is in this offense that we really feel comfortable with? You know, Sam Laporta is a rookie tight end. And yeah, he could carve out a role, but he's still a complete unknown. I think Jameer Gibbs, with his receiving work, doing it at a very high level at Alabama, we can at least comfortably project him a little bit safer moving into the NFL. Fellas, let's kind of wrap it up here. There's not, you know, as we move into the top 10, 
there really isn't a ton to really point out here that, you know, these are kind of just unanimous top 10 guys. So I'm going to run through these all just 10 down to one. 10 is Aaron Jones, nine, Derek Henry, eight, Nick Chubb, seven, Josh Jacobs, six, Tony Pollard, five is Jonathan Taylor, four, Bijan Robinson, three, Saquon Barkley, two, Austin Eckler, and one, Christian McCaffrey. Derek, anyone in that group really stand out to you? I mean, they're all talented players. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Jones is a that's I think that's the highest I've seen Aaron Jones as as the running back ten. Uh, maybe maybe a, a, a Packers fan ranking? No, I'm kidding. I, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Um, Aaron Jones is great. We just expect if this offense is going to take a step back, do we really think that Aaron Jones is going to produce RB ten numbers? That's a question that I have. But certainly his track record has been fantastic in the NFL. I'm just. Are you really taking Jonathan Taylor at run, yeah. as running back five off the board right now? If we were drafting right this second, that's would a you take piece. him as the fifth no. Off the board? No, I mean, it's a moving piece, and that's why you don't draft in the middle of August. So that's our PSA for the day. Draft in September, people. Like, I don't – I've been in this industry way too long, and people still drafting and asking me, like, start set questions at the beginning of August. I don't get it. Jonathan Taylor, obviously a very talented back, still young enough. The Colts open the season with cake on their schedule. So if he can get back into camp and reasonably healthy and not fake an injury like everybody's talking about, I still think there's a way for him to be very productive. I love what Richardson brings to this offense, the versatility. We saw it with Fields last year. Montgomery was productive last year, and Herbert was too because the optionality at the quarterback position just opens up so much. Richardson can do that. Taylor's proven, young, all that good stuff. Just get his head on straight, get him in camp, and make me not look like an idiot yet. Like, I, I'm not drafting him here, but I'm not drafting yet. This is my ranking for how I'm looking at it going into the season. So as long as he can get rolling in the next week or so, I'm fine with that. He's a tier two running back for me. But yeah, I mean, this is this is tenuous at best. We're, we're talking, he can move outside my top 10 with relative ease if he doesn't get, you know, get in... Uh, Getting pads pretty soon. And to to Sapi's point, week one, Jacksonville. Week two, Houston yeah. for Indianapolis here. So if Jonathan Taylor does make his way back onto the field here very, very quickly, I mean, Jonathan Taylor could absolutely smash weeks one and week two. And then Is we all forget. Concern, and then he's fine. <clears throat> Is there any concern, though, about a slow start for Anthony Richardson? Yeah, you say the schedule looks cupcake to start the year, but it's also going to be Anthony Richardson making starts number one, two, three, four in the NFL. Like... If we saw, if we think that he's going to struggle or there's going to be some growing pains, how many scoring opportunities are there going to be for Jonathan Taylor? So, and how many targets is he going to see? You know, is there going to be any split because of the fact that he's missing so much time in camp? Like, there's just some other things that for an entire season projection that make me a little bit, even if Taylor plays, RB5 just, I don't know. There's just, it just, I, I like Nick Chubb a little bit more this year. Yeah. I, I like, I, I think that Chubb, gives you the same rushing upside that Jonathan Taylor gives you. And I trust his offense and situation a lot more than Jonathan Taylor's. Chubb is the end of my tier right there. So if Taylor misses another week, Taylor will be shifting to the end of this tier. So I have no problem with that. It's that you mentioned Richardson struggling. I think him struggling as a passer or him struggling as an NFL quarterback might not even be a bad thing for this offense or for the fantasy offense, more specifically the fantasy value of Taylor, because that just means he's running more. And if he's running more, that's putting pressure on defenses. If they don't trust him to pass the ball and he's back there throwing the ball, then they can just key on Taylor and take away everything else. But if they're worried about him exclusively as a rusher, that's where I think things open up for Taylor. We know the talent is there. The targets, I hear you, and I agree with you. I mean, I think the rushing upside is his path to greatness. 
and Richardson can open that up. Again, there's a million moving pieces here, the least right. of which is Richardson. <laughs> so, yeah, now check. let's do this again in a week. Mark your calendars. We're going right. to have a Pacheco bet in a week, and we'll, have, we'll circle back on Taylor to see where we are with this information. Right. It's definitely something where these top 30 running back rankings are certainly shifting and moving. You mentioned like week one of the preseason, not a ton of movement in the rankings whatsoever. But after week two, when we see, Mm -hmm. hopefully we see the majority of the starters out there and we start to see some of the roles a little bit more clearly defined. Will these rankings shift and move? Almost certainly, as we also get some injury updates and everything like that. So make sure to stay here tuned to the PFN Fantasy Football Podcast for all of those updates. We will be with you all the way through fantasy draft season and all the way through the NFL regular season here, helping you dominate your fantasy football leagues. All right, that'll do it. For Kyle Sapi and Derek Tate, I'm Kyle Yates, and we'll see you next time.